I'm Callie Crossley, and this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. And this hour, it's all about St. Patrick's Day. We can't talk about St. Patrick's Day without talking about food and drinks. But hold on, we're not here to talk about green beer. Irish cuisine is directly tied to the country's history, from the production and creation of corned beef for the rich and British to the Great Famine of the mid-1800s caused by the potato blight. Ireland continues to grow in the global market, and the country's cuisine is also evolving. Here to talk about the Irish food culture connection and what local restaurants are doing to update and upgrade the dishes of the Emerald Isle, Patrick Lee, co-owner of the Grafton Group, which includes restaurants like Grafton Street Pub and Grill and Russell House Tavern. Patrick, welcome to Under the Radar. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to have you. And Denise O'Neill, partner and chef at Eat with Jack O'Neill in West Roxbury. Hello, Denise. Hi, Kelly. How are you? I'm great. So let me start this way, Patrick. I would have assumed that I had eaten Irish food because I've had corned beef and cabbage at some point and oatmeal. And it turns out those are kind of Americanized versions of Irish food. Talk to me a bit about really how they came to be accepted as the standard Irish fare and why they're really not. Yeah, you know, I, I think speaking for myself and growing up in an Irish household in Boston, our sort of traditional Irish dinner was a boiled dinner on a, a Sunday afternoon, which consisted of carrots, potatoes, turnips, and a ham. So I think ham is more closely related to Irish culture than corned beef would be. And I think corned beef sort of had its introduction into the story with Irish immigrants and Jewish immigrants sort of intermingling and corned beef being similar to what Irish people would sort of see as bacon or with bacon and cabbage. How did we stubbornly come to associate that with Irish food then? I think, you know, in, in a lot of ways, that sort of American kind of culture of taking something over and it's sort of becoming what people associate with St. Patrick's Day and with Irish food. And, you know, there's always this uh, grain of truth in it. And I think that as the years pass on, to a certain extent, people accept it and it becomes a fun part of St. Patrick's Day. Denise, same question to you. So if uh, Patrick was eating a boiled dinner growing up, what were you eating? And uh, what's your thought about how corned beef and cabbage came to be the iconic Irish meal? I actually, I agree with Patrick there. Definitely, I grew up in the bacon and cabbage household as well. The corned beef, I guess, was taken by the immigrants long before refrigeration. So it was corn, that is, it was salted and brined, and it kept for longer. And it was a cheaper cut of meat normally back then. So that's really, I think, how it came to America. And it has kind of stuck on St. Patrick's Day. Now, are you serving it in the gastropub where you chef, which is Eat with Jack O'Neill in West Roxbury? Yes, we will be serving this on St. Patrick's Day and for the whole weekend, yes. Um, we'll also, they'll be doing the uh, roast loin of bacon, which is probably more traditional in Ireland now at this stage than the um, corned beef. But yes, we'll have both on, yep. So, Denise, I hear you're the queen of Irish soda bread, the real kind, not the kind that I've eaten with the currants and the sugar on top. Tell me the difference and what's real Irish soda bread. <laughs> the real Irish soda bread, yes. So it's both the brown soda bread, so it has a mixture of the wheat and flour. It's very basic ingredients, just the wheat and flour, white flour and buttermilk and soda. So it's very, very basic. You have to be very light-handed. 
And really, that's all that's in it. It needs nothing else. How did it come to be Irish soda bread, like capital I, capital S, capital B? Because I know Irish people eat other kinds of bread, but why this particular kind has become so linked to Irish culture? Yeah, it's been in Ireland, gosh, I mean, forever, really. Um, And because it's such basic ingredients, it was cheap to make. And it's not actually hard to make at all. But people think it's hard to make, but it's not. Quite easy, (laughs) quite easy. And quite quick, you know, 40 minutes, it's done. Well, then that just probably speaks to the lazy among us. I'd be one of those, I'm sure. Patrick, let me ask this. You say Irish, and the next word is going to be potato. So where is the potato in the cultural linkage between food and Irish culture? I think the potato obviously has has played a, a huge role in Irish culture and immigration to America. I think it's something that every Irish person has grown up with and has seen used in many types of dishes they've had at the dinner table. Partially for some of the reasons that Denise mentioned, that it was accessible. It was something that didn't cost a lot. And I think it's good and it's very efficient and you can use it in lots of different types of dishes and it works well with different kinds of meats. And I think it's also something that has been sort of Americanized and is very prevalent, obviously, here in Boston. So we said in the introduction that the cuisine is evolving, and the word on the street now, Patrick, is that if you go to Ireland, it's like a hot-happening place for happening cuisine of the world with, you know, fabulous cuisine. People think boiled potato, but that's not what's happening there, and that's had an influence over here. So first, I know you've been to Ireland a lot to experience that cuisine. How has it changed? Well, I I think it's not unlike what's happened in America. You look at lots of southern cities and midwestern cities and you know we were talking earlier about Boston the food scene has really changed and upped its game everywhere and i think that that's true in lots of major cities throughout europe they not only have their own cultures to draw on but they have the cultures from the countries around them to draw on and and the resources of the country not only their own countries but the countries around them so it's a very exciting time to to be a chef in Ireland and the U.S. because you have so many resources and people are so excited about food. And I think that the restaurants that are represented in all of these cities, Dublin, for example, or, you know, even Galway City, you know, all of these cities have many different types of restaurants and many different types of cuisines. And the, the chefs are pushing the envelope uh, more and more every day. So if you were to be there uh, around St. Patrick's Day, which actually, in a backwards way, people think that celebration was really big there, and then we brought it over. We actually made it big here, and then it went back to Ireland, just for people to know that. But if you were there on St. Patrick's Day in that celebration, what are they serving as a rule to mark the culture of the day? Well, I think it's similar to here in the same way that you just mentioned in that they're going to be serving those traditional dishes because I think on days like that, that's what people really want. They want to have a traditional dish that's going to bring them back to a certain place in time or a certain smell or a certain dish their mother used to make. And I think it's the essence of comfort food. So, you know, on the one hand, you're going to see lots of that over in Ireland on that day. Like what, specifically? Like, I think you'll see that sort of bacon and cabbage Mm. or lamb, different types of potato dishes. But you're also going to see, just like in Boston and just like cities on the East Coast, on St. Patrick's Day, lots of creative riffs on these comfort food classics that chefs are coming up with and that you see being made in great little pubs around Boston. 
So, Denise, same question to you. We've talked about that you'll be doing the traditional, what we think is traditional here. But when you look across the way and see what that cuisine is doing in terms of evolution, what are you impressed by and what are you then taking from there, if you are, and bringing it back to your own gastropub in West Roxbury? So as Patrick was saying, we have the different influence because we've had a lot of immigration into Ireland over, especially during the Celtic Tiger years. And these people had stayed and brought their influences from their countries. So it has enabled us as well to try the different cuisine from all over Europe, all over the world and so forth. Plus then we have amazing chefs over there like the likes of Nevin Maguire or Jarena Allen and Rachel Allen. And they've been exposed to so many different countries and influences. So they've changed our food over the last, let's say, 10 years at least, maybe 15 years. So it has brought all these different influences from different countries. And like that, it, it has just changed the Irish palate completely. From what to what? You Sorry? say you changed the palate completely from what to what? How specifically would you um, say? Well, when I was growing up, everything was just overboiled, overdone. Now we're eating, everything is like just done to perfection now. But the influence of spices and herbs have made a huge difference in our, in our food. And it has changed the taste of our food once upon a time. It wasn't really as flavorsome as it is now. So it has added lots of flavor to our food. I'm Callie Crossley, and you're listening to Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. My guests are Patrick Lee, co-owner of the Grafton Group, and Denise O'Neill, partner and chef at Eat with Jack O'Neill. So question to you, Denise. How has the farm-to-table and healthy food trends, I think they're more than trends now, impacted the kind of food that you serve with an Irish flavor at Eat with Jack O'Neill? Well, all our ingredients, we're trying to get the freshest, freshest ingredients and everything is done from scratch here. We have no nothing from a bag or nothing pre-made or anything like it. So while there's a lot of extra work for us and it's long days and so forth, but you can really notice the difference in the flavour of the food. And then we only use, say, maybe like the likes of grass-fed burger. We're using organic where possible. So it has the best of ingredients... And sometimes that's all you need. It's just really good, fresh ingredients, and you can taste the difference. Just the flavor is, is so much better. Are people surprised so when they taste the real Irish soda bread, which I know the other kind that I've had is quite sweet in its yeah. Americanized form. So are they surprised? They are. Another thing that got added over here was caraway seeds, which we don't do in Ireland. So I think things kind of just get, I guess, people just add things to try and change flavors while I just do the basic over here. But I also do a wheaten bread, which is a little bit more richer than your brown soda bread. And people love both of them. Now, Patrick Lee, when you look at your menu, it looks global in a comfort American food way, you know, the menus of, at, across your restaurants. So I'm not sure I could pick out something that would have Irish influence necessarily. Are there dishes that have a little bit of that that you've now brought into the 21st century? Or did you mean for me to just, in a sort of much global way, get a little taste of that influence? I think that our first restaurant, Grafton Street Pub and Grill, probably has the most Irish influence. We just celebrated our 20th anniversary last October. So the the restaurant has certainly evolved and has become a little bit, I would say, more contemporary American. 
But there are still and will always be two or three comfort food style Irish dishes that remain on that menu that are big sellers at Grafton Street. Like what? Fish and chips. Uh, We have an Irish breakfast. Shepherd's pie is on and off the menu. And, you know, sometimes the chefs will do different riffs on all of these dishes. But the foundation of these dishes remain the same because, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I think people, you know, when they get one of those dishes, they want them to kind of take them back to a certain time. And although Irish pubs aren't as prevalent in Boston as they were, say, in the 90s, there are still places around Boston doing really creative Irish food. And Denise and Ida Jack O'Neill's is one of those places. And there's still places in and around Boston serving a great pint of Guinness. Yeah, I don't drink beer, so I say I can't speak to that. But yes, I do. (laughs) I am aware of that. So what do you think are still the cultural notes that folks want to have there and be connected to as we go forward, even if there's tweaks, even if there's influences of the spices and the rest of the world and palate changing, all of that? What would you say is important in keeping some of the authenticity here that's important just for the culture? And I ask that in this way because I think about the Africans bringing over okra, yams, sweet potatoes, and peanuts. That's very much still, I can eat in a lot of different fancy places or soul food places. There's some cultural connections I still find in dishes. And wondering if the same thing is happening in Irish cuisine. How would you answer that, Patrick? And then I'll get Denise to do the same. Yeah, I think that there are certain dishes. I think with a shepherd's pie, maybe the traditional meat in that would be lamb. And I think maybe the sort of Americanized version of that might have beef in it. Uh, So I think it is important to kind of hold on to those little traditions. You know, I'll go so far as something as small as, you know, if you're pouring a pint of Guinness, doing a double pour. So you pour it three quarters of the way, and then you let it settle, and then you finish it. And, you know, when you go into a lot of places, it's just a single pour, and it seems like a small thing. But, you know, many years ago, it would never be even questioned, like it would have to be that way all the time. And I think maybe it's part of me just getting older, (laughs) or maybe, you know, you do have to be a stickler for those details if you really want to get an authentic pint somewhere. And to keep that tradition going. And to keep that tradition going. And people say. Yeah, yeah. Denise, same question to you. How do you keep those cultural connections going in a restaurant where you have the accent that you have and you're making soda bread every day? <laughs> well, you'll always get people looking for the traditional Irish food, you know. And I think if you can just keep the taste the exact same way, they'll always keep coming back looking for it. It's like Patrick said with the Guinness. You know, the guys that drink the Guinness here, they know exactly how it should be poured. And they wouldn't be long telling you if you poured it a different way, you know. So they're very precise in what they want. And it's the same when it comes to the food. They know exactly what they want and they can taste the difference. It brings them right back like we do the Irish breakfast and It just takes them right back to when they were growing up and they remember exactly how it was. And that's important. Describe the Irish breakfast. I think I've had one, but I'm not certain. So describe that for me, Denise. (laughs) (laughs) So um, obviously Irish sausages, rashers, which is the Irish form of your bacon here. So it'd be a lot leaner. Then we have black and white pudding. So your white pudding is made out of pork and your black pudding, it's usually a blood product. 
We also serve it with roast tomato and we do our own potato cake here as well. Mm. And then we serve it with um, a side of Irish soda bread as well. Mm, so it's good. a pretty um, hearty breakfast, but it's just loved by everybody, you know, and it's still served at home every day. Well, I think I have had it, and I've avoided the puddings because I just can't go there. But I love everything else on the plate. I just can't. I just can't go there. But uh, <laughs> you know, that's just how it is. Well, you two are certainly good ambassadors for Irish cuisine and culture. But we have in Boston a very large Irish population. We're not in any danger of losing any of these connections, even outside of Boston. Would you say? Or you think we're we're pretty good at at maintaining that? What do you think, Denise? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. There seems to be Irish at every corner. There seems to be more Irish hair than at home sometimes. <laughs> but, <you> know, and, <laughs> uh, yeah, I suppose going back 20, 30 years, it's where everyone came. This was their first port of call other than maybe London. But this was the next one, you know, and they have kept their traditions here. And some of them are more Irish than the Irish themselves, as to say, you know. But yeah, it's great. Same question to you, Patrick? There's such a deep-rooted Irish history in Boston. And, you know, referencing maybe that 20, 30, 40 years ago, there was this really great influx. Actually, two of our business partners in the Grafton Group are from Ireland. They grew up just outside of Dublin, which is really where the name Grafton Street came from Mm. and actually where the name Temple Bar came from. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so certainly... Those guys came here, built a life, built families, and I worked in the Irish Village for many years just down the street from the studio pulling pints of Guinness, and and I've gotten to know many, many Irish immigrants who have built lives here. And it's incredible not only sort of seeing how they've grown, but also seeing the next generations coming and, and doing the same thing. So certainly a rich history here that I don't think is going anytime soon. Well, I thank both of you, and I guess I'm happy that you're both keeping the traditions delicious. <laughs> How's that? Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Good, thank you. <laughs> Patrick Lee is co-owner of the Grafton Group. The group's most recent opening is the Hourly Oyster House in Cambridge. And Denise O'Neill is partner and chef at Eat with Jack O'Neill in West Roxbury. Coming up, Savannah, Georgia is famous for its romantic southern charm but it's also home to massive St. Patrick's Day festivities. Celebrating Savannah's Irish history, that's up next. This is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley. Crossley. 